much. Well, let's just have a quick word of prayer and then, uh, then we'll start. Well, Lord, thank you uh, for that worship time. It just strengthens our soul and our faith, just hearing words of truth. And so we pray you'd bless this, this time together. And uh, we ask it in the precious name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. What a wonderful name. Amen. Well, I first want to start off by uh, uh, thanking y'all for uh, having me here to preach for these next three Sundays. It certainly is an honor to do so. And some of you may not know, I'm, by the way, my name is David Roth. Um, and I uh, retired about a year ago from... Uh, about 41 years of ministry, and uh, sound makes me sound old. I, I, don't, I don't look that old, do I? Don't answer that. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was at Hope Presbyterian Church for almost 14 years, where I was pastor of adult education and discipleship, and that is where I first met your beloved John and Natalie uh, Fushi, and sort of took John under my wing and, and discipled him. And as I think about John, and where he was then to where he is now as a just a, an incredible Christian husband, father, uh, youth minister he has become. I got to tell you, you got to believe in God because <laughs> yeah, it is nothing short of miraculous of what God has done in his life. And I'm, I'm so very, very proud of both he and Natalie. And, uh, and you know, the really cool thing is that I, it's really because of John that I started uh, uh, attending faith about a year ago on and off uh, I still attend hope hope church but um, I've been been coming here and as a result I've gotten to know Jeff Kempton I know you all know him and have sort of mentored him especially as he's gone through this transition over the past five months and is now a senior pastor at and uh, California at Crossroads Church in San Marcos and uh, and we, we, so we began uh, meeting together about uh, the past five months or so. And I can truly tell you how much he loves uh, faith and how much he loves his service and how much he really respects and uh, appreciates Pastor Greg. And so it's real, uh, been a real blessing for me to have gotten to know Jeff and to be involved in faith in that way. And on top of that, uh, Pastor Greg, is, he's asked me to help out on a couple of projects here at Faith. And so in a roundabout way, I'm getting more and more involved at, uh, at Faith. And I just love what you all are about. And so, uh, again, thanks for allowing me the privilege of uh, speaking to you all for the next couple of weeks. Well, you know, uh, because of this pandemic and the coronavirus and all, upheaval that we've all been experiencing, I've really focused on Psalms 91, 1, 1 through 4, and it's really become a very uh, pivotal verse, set of verses for me uh, in this whole, with this whole deal. And I've actually spent a good deal of time in my quiet times with uh, reflecting on, studying these particular verses, uh, because it, it, it's one of those, those scriptures that God gives us a direct promise of his protection from the deadly pestilence in verse 3. And so as a result, I, I can't tell you how often I think about these verses. I mean, daily. They've just kind of been ingrained in my, in my thinking. So I thought I would make these verses the focus of our time together in this first sermon. So um, one of the cool things uh, Rufus Smith does, the senior pastor at uh, Hope Church, is that he often has congregation uh, Read, read together 
uh, the scripture. And so if you would do that for me, um, if you'd read that script, is that printed anywhere, John? Oh, it's not. Well, never mind. Okay, okay. Well, we might have different ver versions. Uh, but uh, so I'll just go ahead and do it. I thought we were going to have a slide on that so we could all say it together. But uh, just listen to it and, and maybe in your own way to uh, uh, hear it. But he who dwells in the shelter of the most holy will abide in the shadow of the almighty. Man, I love those verses. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for it is he who delivers you. Hmm. He delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is, is a shield and a bulwark. You know, uh, you know when, when I first started looking at these verses, it, it appears that the, I, I first looked at it, and, and it appeared that the psalmist was kind of repeating himself in that first verse. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The two sentences almost look like he's saying the same thing. But I started kind of looking at it a little bit closer, and it seems that the second word, abide, is a result of the first word, dwell. So, and in fact, as I looked a little bit closer at it and I looked at the Hebrew, that's exactly what is being said in this first verse. The Hebrew word for dwell literally means to sit down, to seat oneself. It's a very close word, which means to make your habitation, to make your habitation or the place where you pitch your tent. I like that, where you pitch your tent. Dwell. That's kind of the idea behind that whole word. The Hebrew word, on the other hand, for abide is really quite distinct uh, from the uh, word dwell because abide literally means to rest and to be settled in a settled state of calm and stability. So putting those two together, uh, we could accurately say, he who sits himself down and makes his habitation in the shelter of the Most High will find a place of rest and security and stability in the shadow of the Almighty. You know, I kind of find also interesting about this, this first verse that not only do we find protection from the actual shelter of God, but also protection from merely the shadow of the shelter. Uh, haven't you all ever seen a, a shelter? You know, it might be here and the shadows over here. Not only are we protected by the shelter, but we're also protected by the shadow of the shelter. I think that's kind of cool to think about it like that. Well, the second verse says this, I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge, you are my fortress, you are my God in whom I trust. Now, I'd like for us to just stop right there with that, that verse and think about this. What? Why is it so important that the psalmist declare to God this truth about God's protection? I mean, doesn't God already know that he's our fortress, our refuge? Well, of course he does. But here's the deal. The psalmist declares it not only as a praise to God, but more importantly, he's saying it to himself. He's saying it to himself. Look at it this way. So much of the time, we let fear, we let panic grip our hearts. 
And we typically are letting our own self-talk speak to us. Uh, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know, what am I going to do if this happens? Or, or, you know, especially in the middle of the night, you know, those kind of fears and panic. I don't know if that's happened to you, but it sure has to me. You know, what if this? What if this? Gosh, I did not protect myself in that situation. You know, what would happen? What would happen to my family? And we let this self-talk speak to us. And so... Uh, we let these worst-case scenarios dance around in our heads and let them speak fear and, yeah, even sometimes panic uh, to our hearts. Um, so the, what the psalmist is doing here is turning the table on his fears and rather than letting his self-talk speak words of fear and doubt into his heart, he is speaking words of faith and truth both to God but more importantly to his own heart. Believe me, there is power in the spoken word that helps strengthen, and not only strengthen, but create faith. In fact, this is a huge reason why Sunday morning church is so important, especially now. Especially now, because this is where we're able to sing out loud words of faith and truth, where we hear words of faith and truth spoken out loud and where we can quote creeds of faith, like the Lord's, uh, Lord's Prayer and the, the Apostles' Creed out loud. You see, it's all designed to help strengthen and to create faith, because when we speak it, we hear it, and it gets ingrained, ingrained into us. One of the greatest examples of this is found in Psalms 42, in two verses, verses 5 and 11. It's the same, same, same uh, verse. It's, it, the psalmist says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? You know, and why have you become so disturbed within me? You know, he's, he's talking to his soul. And then he says, Hoping God. For I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. See what the psalmist is doing there? He's speaking to his own soul, and we need to do the same. He's speaking to his own soul, faith and truth. A guy named uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, maybe you've heard of him before. He has a great book out called Spiritual Depression. And uh, I, I really highly recommend it, even if you get through just the first two chapters, it's well worth it. But he says, one of the things we need to be good at is being able to preach to ourselves. <laughs> Isn't that right? Jones says this, we must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. So often that's true. And so the psalmist declares the truth out loud that the Lord is his refuge. The Lord is his fortress. The Lord is the God in whom he trusts. And see, he's speaking words of faith to his own heart. How important that is. That is something we really, really need to get good at. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, I love this verse. He says, uh, we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, we, you know, my mind, the, the picture, we lasso every thought, every fear, every anxiety, every concern, and we take it captive to the obedience of Christ so that we feed our faith rather than feed our fear. And I want to tell you, the media feeds our fear 24-7. Why? Because they want to sell newspapers. That's why. It, it irritates me a little bit. You know what I mean? And so, we need to counter that. 
and feed our faith rather than letting our fear uh, uh, rather than feed our fear. I think one of the things uh, that this total upheaval has done with the coronavirus has shown us uh, is just how really, really vulnerable uh, not just America is, but in fact the entire world. Whether people believe in God or not, we are in fact incredibly dependent on the right working of the entire universe. I mean, even if one thing goes out of whack, it can bring the entire world to its knees. I mean, look at, look at America. You know, we were doing great. Our economy was thriving. Business was as good as ever. Unemployment at all-time low. GDP was soaring. We were in the middle of a bull market. And then what happens? In a matter of a couple of weeks, it all comes to a screeching halt, all because of some little flu bug that became highly contagious. Hmm. Several years ago, I, uh, I read a book called uh, Miracles by a guy named Eric Metaxas. And in it, Metaxas takes a scientific look at the forces and the elements of the universe and nature and demonstrates how fine-tuned everything in the universe and in our world has to be in order for life on planet Earth as we know it to even exist. I mean, there's a number of very important factors. If they were out of whack just a little bit, life as we know it would not exist. Uh, one simple and obvious example of this is how perfect the distance of the sun and the moon must be in relation to the Earth in order for life to even exist. I mean, if it were somewhere any closer, we, we'd totally burn up. Uh, but if it were any further, we would be in a permanent ice age. It's got to be in the perfect exact position. And that's why Texas is saying, our universe is a miracle. Uh, you know, but this is just one very, very simple example of the many forces that have to be operating perfectly so that our little planet isn't thrown into complete chaos and destruction. So theologically, this is called common grace. Common grace. It's, it's so termed that because it is God's grace to all mankind, whether they believe or don't believe, uh, whether they realize it comes from God or they chalk it up to something uh, they call Mother Nature. Hmm? It is God's common grace to all man mankind. And so with that in mind, the psalmist says in verse 3, For it is He who delivers us from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. It's him who delivers us. Not long ago, uh, I was out and about, you know, I was playing golf and I was going to the doctor's office, I was going to the grocery store and I was getting gas. And even though I took precautions and was, you know, really trying to be careful, I noticed how many times I slipped up. I don't know if you've had that same experience, but, uh, you know, where maybe in one way or another, some where a coronavirus bug could get on to me. And, you know, I, I noticed, oh, I missed oh, miss wiping down that grocery item. Or, you know, I pressed the ice button at our golf course, you know, to get ice with my bare thumb. Or, you know, I didn't sanitize my hands after pumping gas. You know, you know there's just a thousand and one ways that, you know, we slip up and not taking precautions. And what I notice is that it is, it is next to impossible to be perfectly safe. You know, 
So I've, oh, other time, I've gone into a story, I forgot my mask. Oh my gosh, you would think the world came to an end. But it's almost impossible to be perfectly safe, perfectly cautious, and perfectly preventative. So the thought, so I thought that if in, if in some crazy way, a coronavirus got past all my precautions, no matter how diligent I was trying to be, I'm still ultimately in the shelter of the most high sovereign God. And only that which he allows to happen to me will happen to me. In other words, our control over things is ultimately, ultimately incredibly limited. Well, so does that mean we don't take precautions, you know, and, and, and because no matter what I do or don't do doesn't count in light of God's sovereignty over my life? Well, of, co of course not. But it does mean that even though I use common sense protection, do my best, I realize there is a limit to my control and that I can go about my business without fear, without panic. Why? Because I daily sit and consciously place myself in the shelter of the Most High God. And because of this, I can thereby rest and have peace as I live my life under the shadow of the Almighty. That's been so important to me. I just, I can't tell you how often I think about it. In fact, I've memorized it. But don't ask me to stay memorize it because I'll, 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 I'll screw it up if I do, if I try to repeat it here. The last verse I want to look at is verse 4. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. I love that. That's so cool. Here the psalmist uses the imagery of a loving care of the protection of a mother bird has for her children and uses the example of how she protects her young under the covering of her wings. Beautiful imagery. So beautiful that even Jesus uses this to describe his own longing and loving care and protection for his people when he says in Luke 13, 34, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you as your children together just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not have it. You would not have it. And so even Jesus here likens himself, his love, to that of a, a mother hen. Now, the protection of a mother hen is well documented. Uh, a mother hen will use her wings to ward off predators, cover her chicks from snow, her chicks from sleet or rain, even fire. Uh, there's this one story, and, and you might have heard this before, but there, this one Canadian farmer shared about how a forest fire had burned down his barnyard. And so after it had all burnt down he, and the embers were cooling, he, he went around to survey the damage that was done and he found this burned lump on the ground. And when he prodded it with his stick, he realized that it was actually a mother hen that had been burnt to death uh, in the fire. And when he turned the, the hen over underneath, he was shocked to find three chirping little chicks still alive. So strong was the protective nature of the mother over her chicks that she would withstand the fire to the point of death to save her young. Now, of course, it's a perfect story to depict 
Jesus' love and sacrificial death for us. The fact of the matter is that Jesus not only covers us with his pinions and places us under his protective wings, but he does so even at the cost of his own life when he died for you and I on the cross. Man, that's a beautiful imagery for me. I don't know about you, but it just really gets me. His protection, his love for us with this coronavirus is but a drop in the bucket compared to his loving care and protection over our entire lives, years and years and years from now, on into eternity. It's just a drop in the bucket. I love Romans 8.32, which states it better than I can. He who did not spare even his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How? How in the world will he not also with him freely give us all things, including deliverance from the deadly pestilence? And so it is highly appropriate that today we get to celebrate the reality of God's love which did not spare even his own only begotten son by partaking in the Lord's Supper. And so if you will pray with me, let us pray, prepare our hearts for communion. Well, Lord, we thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your life for us. You withstood the fire. You withstood the cross. You died in our place. We'll never understand the greatness of that act. But it is just a drop in the bucket, your protective care over us when we think about it. And so we give you thanks, we give you praise. And now, Lord, we turn our hearts to this time with the Lord's Supper that you might uh, bless our time, anoint our time, and really help us to move into a place where we really... Um, commune with you. And so we uh, lift this up. We offer up these elements for your blessing. We pray it in the name of Christ. Well, this is the Lord's table. Uh, this is not Faith Presbyterian's table. It's not the EBC's table. And therefore, we invite all who truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and have a personal relationship with him to uh, the table. Um, uh, as you can see, you, you've been given a personal uh, communion cup, as we won't be taking it as normal. Uh, these little things are kind of tricky, by the way, so uh, we, we, we've used them quite a bit at uh, Hope Presbyterian Church. But there's two, two wrappers on this, uh, just real quick. There, uh, there's a cellophane wrapper, and then there, there's an aluminum wrapper, and so there's two. The, the uh, the uh, first wrapper uh, cover, uncovers the bread, and then the second aluminum wrapper uncovers the the cup. And so uh, you got to have a little kind of nimble fingers uh, to to work this out. But what we'll do is we will partake on our own after the words of the institution. And so you can kind of do that on your own. But it's it's a little tricky at first. But I think you'll I think you'll get it. Well, let us attend the words of the institution of the Lord's Supper, that on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, after he had given thanks, he took the bread, he broke it, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, after they had supped, he took the cup, he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it 
in the remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of the bread and you drink of the cup, you show forth the Lord's death until he comes again. So as you're seated, this is your time with the Lord to take time to reflect and to um, take the elements on your own. Don't feel rushed, but when you feel ready to go, go ahead and partake of the bread first and then the cup, and then, then I will close um, with prayer and a benediction. do thank you that you love us and you watch over us like a, a mother hen. Lord, we thank you that you give us wisdom and you give us balance in these difficult days. Yes, to be cautious, be careful, but to realize that ultimately we are in your care. And we can rest and we can have peace. We thank you so much for Jesus who gave himself for us. We thank you that we can come to you and you can wipe the slate clean. We can start anew. We thank you so much that you receive us and you love us and you embrace us. For he who did not even spare his only son and delivered him up for us all, how will you not also freely 
give us all things. And so we thank you that we can be with you and you're with us. In those times that we're thinking about you and trusting you and even those times that we're, we're unconscious of you, we're not thinking and we forget. So thank you, Lord, that you watch over us and give us grace after grace after grace. Thank you for this time where you feed our hearts, feed our souls with words of faith and truth, and also with your spirit through this time of communion. And so we give our lives once again to you. Will you please stand with me to receive the benediction? Now may the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship, the communion, the reality of the Holy Spirit go with you now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you all.